0: Hope everybody had a very nice Thanksgiving, and uh, so we'll get started here. So uh, today, like many Sundays and many uh, talks, uh, you know, this is something that I've been chewing on for some time and uh, actually was jogged a little bit by uh, the the talk two weeks ago by uh, Mike Gergis, uh, and uh, so I've been continuing to chew on on this, these issues. And uh, so today, the the title of the talk is "Direction in a Directionless World: Navigating to a Selfless Life." And uh, the emphasis is on the 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 less, the selfless. And we'll talk more about this. It might not be what you're thinking because when I think of a selfless life, I certain things come to mind, especially in the context of our faith and in the context of our church, especially uh, in terms of service, but that's not what we're going to be talking about today. This is not a talk about service, although there are applications that make that relevant. Um, so, you know, I was going to start with a clip from the office, and uh, given that the, the screen is right in back of the altar, I decided to defer that today, but I'll, I'll explain it. Um, so there 's a scene in the office where uh, whoever knows the show the the office manager, Michael Scott, and his first in command Dwight uh, are on tough times it 's like you know this is like a, a calamity of an office. This is not anywhere anybody wants to work it 's you know barely surviving from week to week. And uh, so they go, so Michael Scott, as the head honcho, takes Dwight out on a sales trip, and it's a complete failure. Like, you know, he's trying to show Dwight the ropes, and just nobody's buying their stuff. So they're they're heading back towards somewhere, and they have their GPS, the old, like, Garmin, Nuvi-type GPS, and it's directing them. And it says, turn right. And so Michael says, well, we're going to turn right here. It just so happens, though, that turning right means they're going to turn right into a lake. And veering right, which Dwight is kind of imploring him to do, is, is uh, going to take them in the right direction. Well, Michael, being the head honcho, decides he's going to turn directly right. And he basically buries his car into a lake. And it's, it's a pretty funny scene, so I'd actually recommend going home and watching it. But it's, uh, it it's, it's kind of was a, a metaphor for kind of my life, I think. And uh, there's a lot of turning into the lake and a lot less fearing right like you're supposed to do. So, uh, so you know, the GPS analogy, probably we've all heard, or if we haven't heard, I'll explain it briefly. <clears throat> so presumably our goal is to get to heaven. And uh, there was this cheese ball show in the 80s called Highway to Heaven with Michael Landon, also worth Googling. Um, but... Uh, but I thought that I thought this analogy is good. So basically, presuming that we are all trying to get to heaven, <clears throat> there is uh, the course of our lives, and we have we have and know the instruction of of how to get to heaven. But being that we're human and uh, oftentimes think we know better, we decide to take shortcuts and go our own directions, and that oftentimes leads us veering off course, and so. I've found this very repetitive cycle in my own life where I'm oftentimes veering off course. I know where, I presumably think I know where I'm going or want to go, uh, but more often than not, I find myself taking detours and God being the loving God time and time again decides to reroute me and put me back on the road. And I stay on that road for a period of time before the next time where I decide to veer off the road and he has to redirect me again. And this is, this is only from a loving God, this, this kind of rerouting all the time. Uh, you know, if it, you, can, you can imagine as a parent if, you know, your patience of rerouting your children in their lives can only go so far. And at some point, you're like, okay, you're on, you're on your own. Fortunately for us, God does not leave us on our own, but always is there to redirect us if, if we listen. So, <clears throat> where I drive matters, and this is kind of a picture of what it looks like in my car most of the time with my kids. And uh, it's, uh, you know, why does where I drive matter? It matters not only for me, but it matters for the people I'm taking along on the ride with me. That is to say that we influence the people who are on the, on the ride with us, right? So, I influence my children, uh, and where they see me taking the car matters. So, if I'm taking the car to the right place that matters to them, rather than constantly veering off course and going in in the wrong direction. It also matters for your spouse, right? So if you are a godly husband or wife, and you're constantly on the right course, that has an impact on the life of your spouse and your friends, and so on and so forth. It's a ripple effect, right? So where I drive matters, right? And... um, you know, uh, one quote that we see is, uh, it is good to teach if he who teaches acts with good example. And that's, uh, that's a quote from uh, St. Ignatius of Antioch. So being a good example matters to the people who are along the ride with you. Uh, and then for all us parents here, if we want to, this is a quote from uh, uh, Mamlakis' book called Parenting Toward the Kingdom, if we want to see our children growing closer to God, they need to see us growing closer to God. If we want children to know that God is present in each moment of life, they need to see us living our daily life in his presence. Children will, will learn what is true by how they see us behave more than by what they hear us say. Just food for thought. I'm not going to expound too much on this. So a life of rerouting, there's many causes for veering off path, of course. There's sin, there's distraction, the distractions of this world. We get caught up with something that's not necessarily bad, but it's just taking us in a different direction, and we don't focus on what we're supposed to be focusing on. Um, Errant directions, we, you know, decide that all of a sudden the yoga instructor down the street knows better than the church and knows better than the Bible. And so we, for a period of our lives, may veer off direction. And this happens in different parts of our lives, sometimes in college, sometimes uh, sometimes in grad school, young adulthood, or, you know, the arrogance of, you know, the prime of your life, in which I was told and passed me by very quickly in the 30s. Um, and so... Uh, you know, there's errant directions that we listen to. And sometimes these errant directions are provided by ourselves where we feel we know best, right? So I I know better than, than the church knows. I know better than God knows. And we find ourselves veering off course. And that's the reliance on the self. And this is the one that really, if I have to admit and have to confess, this is the one that gets me. Reliance on the self. Because I know better than the church. I know better than God. It's my life. And so I rely on myself, and I find myself, not surprisingly, off course, a lot, right? So this is the altar of self-worship, right? You see this little, cute little picture of a pawn in front of a mirror with the reflection of a king. That's what we think of ourselves most of the time, that we know best. We know where we're going. We know what's right for our lives. We know... The, the best things and the most instructive things for us, and it leads us to this altar of sh- self-worship where, you know, there's me in the mirror looking at myself, and, you know, uh, I don't have abs, you know. James reminds me frequently that I don't have abs and probably never will. I tell him they're hiding somewhere. But, um, so we, we vastly over, overvalue ourselves. We have this, like, this idea of ourselves that, that is, like, you know, for lack of a better word, narcissistic. And, and, you know, if we really examine ourselves, a lot of us have this, right? I know I have it for sure. I know my, like, concept of myself is inflated, unreasonably inflated at times. And um, <clears throat> so it's funny because we actually have no clue. We don't know where we're going. We've never been to heaven, and we actually don't really know how to get there if we're not for the instruction of our Lord and the instruction of our church and the church fathers and and mothers of the church. And we also don't know how to get there on our own. If we were left to our own devices, very few of us would actually find ourselves in heaven, right? Because we think we know better, but in reality, we don't. In reality, we have no idea where we're going or how to get there. And yet we demand from ourselves that we are the captain of the ship navigating it towards where we're supposed to think we're supposed to go. Um, So, you know, in reality, I'm a real turkey, right? And that was a little hat that James made for Thanksgiving that I put on and said, "Eh, this is actually pretty accurate. So, and then, uh, you know, Forrest Gump, stupid is as stupid does. I'm not a smart man, right? we have to come to grips with the fact that we as humans are limited. We don't know everything, and we can't know everything. And so there has to be this reliance on something greater than us, right? And the first step is, it's not this weird self-deprecation of, you know, I am dust, I am dust. That's not what I'm talking about. It's really just being candid with ourselves. And, and in the reality of the cosmos, and the reality of, of creation, to be honest with ourselves that we don't have the answers to all these troubles in lives. We don't have control over all these problems in lives. We may think we have control. I mean, there are stories of people who have lost, you know, billionaires who have lost it overnight because they said one thing wrong or one thing right, who thought they were kings of the world and the next day found themselves outcasts, right? Um, and so, you know, I, I thought this was funny. I never make the same make mistake twice i make it five or six times just to be sure right and and it's true like you know i do this it's not it's not even that i just veer off course in different ways i do the same thing over and over and over again i get trapped in the same sin i get trapped in the same uh, arrogance i get trapped in the same self image and it happens over and over and over again and we know that the definition of Craziness is doing the same thing over again and expecting a different result, and yet that's what we do. We commit ourselves to doing the same thing over and over again. How many of us do the same thing over and over again and say, "Oh, geez, I, I should have known better," you know? Um, and uh, this is the cycle I find myself in. It's peace of heart and mind, and then I rely on myself, and then at some point I fall into despair or dysthymia, lack of joy, lack of happiness sometimes depression, right? And what gets us out of it? That's where I'm the most, you know, pious religious Peter. I'm going to go and pray now. I'm going to read my igbeah four times a day, stop by church on the way home because I'm really in trouble right now. And God, as a loving father, is kind enough to actually take me back in. But it's, it's silly. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a ridiculous cycle that we fall into, We're doing great. Everything's awesome. The second I feel great and feel like I'm on top of the world, what do I do? I decide it's about me, and I know where to go. And I wind up back in the same hole, the same rut, relying on the self, falling into despair, depression, sadness, dysthymia, whatever you want to call it. And the only thing that gets you out of it is relying on God. And I find that over and over and over again. And I venture to say I haven't made the same mistake five or six times. I've made them, I can't even count, an infinite amount of times where I make the same mistake of relying on myself, the same mistake of relying on some weird book I read that knows the key to success in life. You know, uh, And it, it's, it's, it's sad were it not for the loving, gracious God that we have. And, and that's, our, that's our pulling us out of this this cycle, this ridiculous cycle that like a five-year-old could figure out. So, like I mentioned, Mike gave a talk a couple weeks ago, and I actually, you know, I have these prezies saved on a dashboard, and I actually gave a talk about the self a little while ago. The old me is dead and gone. And it's, to me, that suggests that I've been thinking about this a lot, and there's a reason why I'm thinking about it a lot. Because maybe in, you know, early, I'm going to say early middle age, I've figured out something. At least a little nugget that I can maybe pull on and maybe it can drag me. Is that the problem is, is that is, there's an issue with the self. The, the, the self is something that prevents us <clears throat> from approaching God. And I'm not talking about being self-deprecating, like I'm the worst in the world, I can't do this, I'm worth nothing, that's verbiage for monks and saints, perhaps. You know. But, it's not, but, but for us commoners, we're not supposed to like, hate ourselves, but we're supposed to be have a realistic view of ourselves. And <clears throat> Mike's talk a couple weeks ago described one of the paths to this knowledge of yourself, which is suffering, And I can't speak, you know, many of us have suffered, but I can't speak to it like he spoke to it. My realization, my path to realizing that the self was not all that was just realizing that I repeated the same thing over and over again. And it's ironic because actually it's, it's almost like pride saying to myself, how dumb are you to fall into the same trap over and over again that finally led me to figure out, that the reason why I fell into the whole trap over and over again is because I relied on the self. So when I talk about the selfless life, you know, if you look at a relationship, right, it's not me, it's, 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 it's not you, it's me, right? That's kind of, you know, the, the little thing that people say when they're breaking up and stuff like that, but relationships rely on on lack of dysfunction, at least, in, usually in both of the parties. If there is one par- part of the party that's dysfunctional, a relationship oftentimes cannot grow and cannot be nurtured. And the, you know, if I was going to Vegas, I'd pretty much bet on myself as being the problem in the relationship with me and God. It's not God. It's, it's me. I'm the, I'm the problem. So the question is, how do I get out of this dysfunction? How do I get out of this, this glorification and idol- self-idolatry? <clears throat> and, you know, the answer is, is to come follow me. And this is something that Christ repeated to his disciples and to the rich young ruler pictured at the top left there when he was recruiting the disciples on the boat. Is not just come follow me, but leave what you had before and come follow me. He's asking them to leave themselves to some degree right, this, this reliance on themselves that I know best. I'm the author of my life. You know, if you watch that series, The Chosen, you get some appreciation for maybe how destitute some of, the, some of the disciples were before they got called. And Christ asks them to leave what they had before, leave the self, and approach him. Come follow me, a new, different life. You were a fisherman, but now you're a disciple. You were a tax collector, but now you're a disciple. You were a rich young ruler. Let go of that, that identity that you place in wealth or success or family even, you know, or you're, you know, I'm, I'm a super athlete. Whatever it is that you identify as, consider putting that on the back burner and focusing more on on your relationship with God. Don't get in the way of your relationship with God by focusing on your own volition, your own path to to salvation, your own path to righteousness. Um, And he he tells us this, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path in Proverbs. And then if anyone decides to come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Okay, so the the answer is to to rely less on the self. There's a book now uh, that's circulating in, in Coptic circles called Elements, and I'm sure many of you have either read it or heard about it or seen it. And a great portion of the book is talking about this young man's path from, I won't ruin it for everybody, but it's talking about his path from being this young boy who was in tune with God and then left kind of during his college years and found his way coming back and a lot of it was was becoming earth becoming dust you know going down to the bare elements of who you who you were to allow god to enter your life right and so when i talk about the selfless life it's not it's not that i want you to be selfless like go serve this person and you know Humble yourself before this person and make yourself, you know, the lowest servant. That has its its value, and that's an important part of service. But what I'm talking about is less you, more him, right? Less of you, more of God. And, you know, St. John the Baptist uh, realized this. This was in the context of his service. But he must increase, but I must decrease, right? What what does that mean in the context of his service? We know that meant that he wanted to step back so Christ could start his ministry. But it also kind of means that he's relinquishing his self, the pride in who he was, you know, as the forerunner, the the prophet that was going to usher in Christ. So he was allowing himself to recede and to allow God to nurture his life and to nurture his faith and to direct his paths, right? So he's allowing that entry of, of that. And then be still and know that I am God. How do we know God? By being still. What does being still mean? It means quieting not only the world around you. It means quieting yourself. Right? To be still means to quiet the world around you. Yes. Absolutely. That's where you can hear God. But you really hear God when you quiet yourself. And and open your ears to him. So that psalm means a lot in terms of marching towards this selfless life or the life of less self. Um, You know, from, from Exodus, teach me your ways so I may know and continue to continue to find favor with you. Again, it's teach me your ways so I may know you. You know, don't rely on yourself. Allow him to teach you and you will gain the knowledge of God in this manner. Um, St. Paisio says, ask for repentance in your prayer and nothing else, neither for divine lights, nor miracles, nor prophecies, nor spiritual gifts, nothing but repentance. Repentance will bring you humility. Humility will bring you the grace of God. Okay? And humility we think about as, like, sometimes we think about it as that, that arrogance of, like, the, the lack of the arrogance or the pride, but it's also, I think, making yourself less. Like relying less on yourself, being less the author of, of your own life and letting God be the author of, of your life, right? Like in the book, Elements, making yourself the dust, going down to the bare elements of it and allowing God to speak within, within, your, within your life. Another quote <coughs> from Elder Paisos, completely have trust in God, leave everything in his hands and believe that his love will act for your own benefit. Then God will take care of everything because there is nothing he cannot do. Everything is easy for him. The difficult thing is for man to decide to humble himself and leave everything to God's providence and love. Right? That's, that's a beautiful summary of kind of, hopefully, the point I was trying to drive home, is, is rely on God. Don't rely on yourself. Don't find yourself in that cycle. It's very easy to get into that cycle. And, like, I ironically fell into it this past week you know if things were finally clearing and getting better and then i said ah, now i can be me again and you know it's it's a it was a fight a struggle to kind of push that away it's a difficult thing to do but it's an important thing to do and then cs lewis <clears throat> concludes humility is not thinking less of yourself it's thinking of yourself less you know that can be taken so many different ways but in in the in the context of what i'm talking about it's just It's just, you know, be still. Let God talk to you. Be still around you, but be still inside of you. And let let him fill you. Let him direct your paths. Let him show you where you need to go. Um, it's, It's a way to break that cycle so you don't have to cycle through the despair and the dysthymia and the lack of joy. You know, cut it off. Be still, let him direct you. He's not going to take you to those places unless it's, a, it's, it's an opportunity for growth of some sort or, or uh, getting closer to him. And ultimately, we're trying to weed out the dysfunction in this relationship we have with God. And if I'm, at a, if I'm in, a, in a relationship just talking, imagine you're on a date and all you're talking about is yourself, right? It's going to take about half an hour before that person gets up and says, this has been wonderful, but... I got to go f- feed my cat or you know whatever it is, right? So don't do that to God. Let, don't he wants to know about us, but just don't talk about yourself. Listen to him. Let him enter through stillness. Kathy. <coughs> <him>. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> this one? <laughs> well, which one? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to paraphrase you, just for the sake of the recording, uh, Kathy was saying that she feels it's almost through knowing God that we are able to kind of put the self as less. To some, is, is that? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. you feel that and everything becomes more, yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things you said though that is key there is it's not head knowledge, right? It's 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 heart knowledge, right? And a lot of us I mean, there's a trend now in the in the church Forgive me, but there's a trend now in the church where, you know, to, to know God, you must be a theologian and know God through, through the theology. And that has its role for some people, for sure. It has its role for some people. But the, it's, it's, you know, Christ comes back to the heart. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, the Pharisees knew what they were talking about, right? And That 's not how they approached god that's they as a matter of fact, it prevented them from knowing God in some cases it 's the knowledge of the heart through the heart right and you know i, I think I think what you' you're highlighting is that there's different there's different ways to to get there right so there's the, there's an avenue of suffering there's an avenue of of kind of the heart knowledge of God allowing that to enter but but I also think there is some level of there are some of us out there who need to do it the other way around, right? So I think I think there are some of us who who come to rely on the self and that prevents them from knowing ever knowing God. So I, I think it goes I think that, I think it's valid to say that it can go certainly go both both ways. I think some people enter to selflessness through the knowledge and experience of God for sure. Um, but some people need to allow that to, ha- to happen as well. Yeah like
1: You when Kathy mentioned the term no that's important because we even read it in Genesis 2 7 and he goes I made you from dust and when you talked about elements The best definition I gave that I've ever heard from humility is actually truly knowing and the realization of who you are, and which is back to dust, kind of the element. When we truly understand that we are truly nothing, then we understand that he is everything. And so I think that knowing is the actual physical understanding that we really are absolutely nothing. We go back to the dust that we came from, dust to dust, right? So I I think that's a key term there, knowing for sure.
0: Yeah, I think also like like knowing God it it forces you to know to to figure out who you are, right? I mean, Kathy, I think that that's another part of maybe what you're saying is like if you know God, you know your limited capacity, your minis- his infiniteness and your your minusculeness, right? Like you you just you know that just by knowing him. Right? Like
2: that cycle. Yeah, it might take me a while here. So when I saw this cycle, this, this graphic you put up, I think of re- what repentance is. And, you know, I think when you say rely on self, you could probably say you could, you could call that sin, whatever it is. And I think we're blessed with our sin. I think it's a blessing. Because that's a lifelong struggle we've been given that will always allow us to feel regret and um, what you call fall into despair and then seek God again. And to me, this is a cycle of what repentance is. Repentance isn't licking the having that sin licked so that you're, you become perfect on earth. I don't think we're ever going to reach perfection on earth and, and, and have sin uh, conquered. I think we've all been given a certain sin that we're, or a weakness that will always allow us to go through this cycle of knowing, knowing what God feels like and knowing what <clears throat> earth feels like and wanting to seek God again. And that's a lifelong struggle, as far as I'm concerned. So I don't, I don't see this cycle as a bad thing. I see this as repentance.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think there's, there's something to that. I think that this, this, kind of what you're saying is the cycle kind of sifts you towards God, right? I mean, it's, it's almost like a cone. You know, what, what, what gets you to realize your, your weakness. I mean, m- most of us, when we sin, we know we've sinned, or we know we've done something wrong, or departed from God, and most of us, in-, in a heart of repentance, will say, you know, I shouldn't have done that, or gosh, how did I, how did I do that, or why did I do that? And that's, to me, what is always called, like you're saying, what has kind of called me back to-, to rely on God. You know, I think I think there's something definitely to that. I mean, obviously, we it would be better if we, you know, didn't, didn't have to approach him in that manner. But, but that's what we see in hardship. That's what we see in suffering. That's what we see in, it's that nudge sometimes to, to, to seek him again and to, to, to seek after after your relationship with God.
2: The arrogance comes in when you think you did not sin or you don't
0: But it's it also can come in where you feel like you can master it, right? Well, I'm not going to do it again because I'm going to do A, B, and C. You know, outside of the sphere of God, I'm going to set up these barriers to doing this again. I'm going to, you know, next time my, you know, my sister mouths off to me, I'm going to I'm going to, you know, silence myself. I'm going to self-control myself rather than saying. God, please give me the 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 great. Pl- please provide the grace and wisdom for me to quiet myself in a moment like that. Right, because that's where it's going to come from. Okay. said,
3: no. um, My sin is always before me. You know, my sin is always before me. It's like it is a blessing to know that your sin is always before you. Like you are aware of your sinful nature. I feel that awareness also helps. This like I know you're saying the cycle, like. You're kind of saying the cycle is like a negative thing and you're seeing it as a, a good thing in the in sense that you're aware of your sin and so i understand like the cycle that brings you more to self is not necessarily good but the awareness when like the psalmist again in one psalm 150 and he says my sin is ever before me and i think psalm 150 is there for us but it is a psalm of repentance right and i think it's a continual process so the, the when he says the cycle is good i think what book saying is like that the continual process
0: of repentance. the process is good it's a never right? ending yes. Yes. right um it's a refining over yes. every, many many years every and day your right? life is taken up daily yeah.
3: right and follow me. so i think when we wake up it's like again <clears throat> crucifying the flesh like it's like it's a daily daily um offering and a daily like um awareness i think of our sins you know that's part of the
1: process. and i think the I think Abuna Akrila said this, it's how quickly do we go through this cycle that depends on our closeness to our faith? Yeah. So how quickly do we go from fall to peace? We'll decide on the strength of our faith. So do we, do we fall into that despair and hopelessness and kind of, like, uh, kind of soak in our own sin? Or do we get up from that? How quickly do we pick ourselves up? I think it's very important as well.
0: Any other comments or thoughts, James? Any thoughts or comments? Not number one. lot of three, four Milky Ways. That's wonderful. I can't wait to argue with that about you. Argue with that, you about that. Uh, all right. Thank you, everybody. So let's uh, thank you for a very healthy discussion. Afterwards, it was very nice to get input from all from from everybody. So. Uh, if we can pray. In the intercession of St. Mary, St. Corollus, St. Paul, and all your, all your heavenly saints, here we say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thank you.